Last weekend I was in San Diego and it was so beautiful. It felt like this, like how we have now. It was so nice. And um, we went to a uh, um, we went to the zoo, the San Diego Zoo, and then we did SeaWorld, and then we drove up and spent the day with my sister at Knott's Berry Farm, and that was fun. But while in the San Diego Zoo, Sarah was just so excited. She loves animals, mm. and I've been wanting to take her there for years, and finally, here we are, the opportunity, we could do it, and she was, at some points like, running ahead, and if you don't know, she's 16, so, you know, <laughs> it's not cool to run ahead and look at the next thing, and it's like she didn't care. She was just so taken by all that she was seeing. And one point she turns around and she says, Mom, I'm seeing animals I didn't even know existed. Aww. And my heart was like, oh, that's why we came. You know, I'm so happy. But I thought that could tie into us. Because I think there are things about God. Well, I know there are things about God that we don't even know exist. And every time we open the Word, we have the opportunity to see a part of God that we didn't even know existed. So each time we come, each Tuesday night, come expecting to see a part of God that you didn't even know existed. Because that's the beauty of our relationship with Him. Go ahead and we'll read... In First Peter, we're in First Peter 13 through 22. All right. Why would anyone harm you if you're passionate and devoted to pleasing God? But even if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you will have the joyful experience of the blessing of God. And don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you. But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one, And treat him as the holy master of your lives. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and respect. Maintain a clean conscience so that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because of their slander. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it is God's plan than for doing evil. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all, the innocent for the guilty, to bring you near to God by his body, being put to death, and by being raised to life by the Spirit. He went in the spiritual realm and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison because of their disobedience of long ago. For during the time of Noah, God patiently waited while the ark was being prepared. But only a few were brought safely through the floodwaters. A total of eight souls. This was a prophetic picture of the immersion that now saves you. Not a bathing of the physical body, but rather the response of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is now in heaven at the place of supreme authority next to God. The very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. Let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we thank you that we get to come and hear from you and find new things about you that we didn't even know existed. God, I just ask that your word would come alive, that these would be seeds that are planted in our hearts that would produce fruit. 
Holy Spirit, I would just ask that everybody would be able to stay awake tonight, that there wouldn't be one person that falls asleep. Because I think the words that you have for us are powerful, and so we don't want the enemy to come in and snatch them. So, Lord, I just um, declare that tonight for our group, that we will know nodding heads tonight in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to anoint me with the words that you have for me to say, that I would speak them. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, So I want to kind of back up just a little bit to... um, Verse 8, because I feel like this, although there's a break in my Bible, I feel like it's not in the right place, the break. Like, I feel like it just sort of flows. So if you'll humor me, we're going to start in 8 and work our way through the end of the chapter. Um, Robin touched, well, really taught, not touched. She taught on it last week, preached on it. (laughs) And um, so uh, it'll just be a bit of a review. But now... This is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. And I love that because he just says it straight out. This is the goal. Here's the goal that I have for us as believers. We want to live in harmony with one another, demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy and kindness toward other believers and it's very clear it doesn't say to the whole world it's specific to other believers because how will they know us it's by our love for one another and so there's that responsibility we have with each other as believers um just like in your family and i was thinking today it's sort of like um you know how there's the saying that oh you give everything to the world and then you come home and your family just gets the leftovers You know, how often does that happen? And I think that he's calling us to this, like, be mindful of this, that we give our family our best, that we are engaged and that we're looking to care for each other, that we are demonstrating affectionate love. Those of you who know not a hugger, I saw that and I went, "Mm." Mm hmm. But... You know, maybe people can hug and I can just show sympathy. No, just kidding. <laughs> kindness. Um, let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. So if we can just keep this in mind. Humility, love, affectionately, um, sympathy, and kindness. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. And Robin taught on this last week, and it was so good and so profound, because this is the key, is to speak a blessing over people who have harmed you, or hurt your heart, or wounded you in some way. This is the key to fighting bitterness, and resentment, unforgiveness, and so, it, this, many of you know, this has been a difficult year, right? From, yeah, probably even a little longer um, I, in this perpetual trial that is coming to an end, I believe, soon. But um, it's been hard, and there been, there's room, there's been room um, for the enemy to come in and to try to get me to be resentful and to try to get me to be angry and to try to get me to sin in my anger, um, and to become bitter. And I am so grateful that I teach the Bible because it keeps me on my face before the Lord 
to say, mm -hmm. I can't let that get a foothold. Mm -hmm. So you've got to walk me through it. And mm -hmm. the best way I know to walk through it is to speak a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it might start with, Lord, bless this person. But that's never enough for me, for my heart, because that still keeps me pretty hard. So I've got to, like, go on. And long times in prayer sometimes, just praying blessing and the Lord's favor over people. And then what happens is as I'm speaking the words, the atmosphere around me changes. And then I start receiving, hearing that. It's not just enough, I don't think, to think it. I think we have to say it because words have power. Like, how did God create the world? He spoke it. He spoke it, exactly. So I want to just show you this little clip. And it. I would like to start at 5.07. Dr. Imato's laboratory does research on water samples which are subjected to various forms of outside influence. The impressions made upon the water are recorded by swiftly freezing it in a cryogenic chamber. Somebody said, thank you to this water. Excuse me. You disgust me. Idiot. I hate you. going into you you know and it's also going out but it's coming back to you and then when you see that I hate you oh yeah repeated saying the same thing cause the same formation I don't know this is the only this okay. is like a very short okay. clip I would, then, so. I would think so Later on in this little video, they showed where they took um, uh, rice and put it in three different jars. And so in the one jar, they talked to the rice and they said, I love you. And then the next jar of rice, they said, I hate you. And to the next jar, they completely ignored it. And after a time, I don't remember how long, um, they came back and the I love you that they kept saying I love you to... Um, was white and full, and there was rice and water. 
it, it had absorbed the water and it looks nice. And then mm -hmm. the um, I love you, I mean, I hate you had black spots on it, mm -hmm. as well as did the um, ignored mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And then they also did mm -hmm. it with apples and strawberries. Wow. And um, on the video, it suggests, have your kids try this. And I thought this would be a great science experiment. Mm -hmm. um, the power of our words. Mm -hmm. And for something like rice, <laughs> which doesn't have a feeling bone in its body, I mean, right? It's rice, and yet it can absorb just the impact of what we say. So when we read this, and he says, never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly or insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. It takes a whole new picture for us. It did for me. Mm -hmm. And then you go, why? Okay, why do we do that? All right, it's nice to, to see these things, but let's look at the because. Mm -hmm. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. That's why. Because God gives us blessings. And who are we? We are imitators of him. And so what he does for us, we do for others. And then this just speaks to the nature of God. And so I was reminded of how in 1 John we taught about false teaching. And in 1 Timothy we taught about false teaching. And then this verse, and I thought, it reminds me of false teaching that we have in the American church today. And maybe across the world, I don't know. But the teaching on the sovereignty of God, that God is um, fully, not just in control of everything, but actually planning things out. Planning things of harm because it fits into his perfect plan. So we're going to go real personal and talk about my sexual abuse. Uh, I had somebody say to me, you know, um, this was God's plan for you because now you can help other women. And I want to say no, because this does not justify that false teaching. Because my Jesus comes along and he says, come to me if you're weary and brokenhearted. This says that because a blessing is what God promised to give you, that's God's promise to us. Every yes or every promise is yes in Jesus. That's in Romans. That's our God. I don't believe for a minute, and I want to just, I, the longer I go on in my Christian walk, the more passionate I get about this false teaching, because that's what it is. And we believe it. I heard it. I was expected to believe it, and it never felt right in my being. It never checked in my spirit. And I think it never checked because the Holy Spirit's like going, no, no, no. Don't believe it. Don't buy it. And don't repeat it to somebody else. Just yesterday on, uh, at school, I'm walking by somebody, and um, we lost a student, and it broke my heart. And this person said to me, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And it was like I was walking this way to go to the bathroom. I mean, I instantly spun around. I said, no, that is theologically wrong. No. I'm not basing my theology on one man who had a hard, difficult time, and in the middle of that time, he said, the Lord giveth and taketh. And that's Job. Okay, I'm not basing all of what's in this book on one man's saying. 
We could look at Judas. Well, he hung himself. That's what we should all do. Just because somebody did it in the Bible or said it in the Bible doesn't mean that that's God's heart. We look at what does God say about himself to know his heart. His heart is he loves us. He cares for us. He carries us in the palm of his hand. I say that all the time when I was like, is that really in the Bible? Because I say it so often. And so I just Googled it. Oh my goodness, it pops up all these different ways. We're etched in the palm of his hand. Nobody can snatch you from the palm of his hand. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's not just a nice little saying that I like to say all the time. It's truth. And so when you hear somebody speak about the sovereignty of God, challenge them. Do it respectfully. Do it with love and sympathy and kindness. But do it. And, and do what's right. And teach the true gospel of who is Jesus. Because he's not that God. He never, ever sits and intends harm for any of us. If we are in him, we are clothed in his righteousness. There's no harm coming to him. We're going to read in a minute. He died once and for all. So he, that's not his, he came, he put on human flesh, he hung on a cross, and he bore our sin. And to be honest, I think hanging on the cross was a whole lot easier than bearing the weight of our sin. We can't even comprehend that. I mean, we can learn about what it was like, we can watch the movie The Passion um, that Mel Gibson made, and we can get like this much of an understanding because we don't know the heart, we don't know what it's like to be God and to hate sin and to say, bring it all. I'm taking it all. And then there are people who dare to say that God sat in heaven and said, you know, I think it's a really good idea for this man to take this little two-year-old and mess with her until she's 16. Yep, that's my perfect plan for Louise. No, it wasn't. Oh, it just angers me, gets me fired up because it's not truth. And that's what we want. We want truth. Jesus is truth. And Jesus is not a God who would ever do that to any of his children. Oh, it just, I could go and go, but I'll move on. I just, I just hear my heart on it. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. It's always the blessing. Every time, the blessing. For the scripture tells us whoever wants to embrace true life, who is true life? Jesus is true life, right? Whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day, we must stop speaking evil. And look again, it's that speaking word. If we're speaking evil or speaking hurtful words, that's, that's the, um, the fruit we're going to bear. Charmaine's reading that book. Who's the author of that book you're reading? Dr. Lee? Carolyn Lee. Carolyn Lee, yeah. yeah. And we went to her her, uh, conference last year, Mm -hmm. probably around this time, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And she talked about how you have two trees. Mm -hmm. You have the tree that bears a good fruit, a healthy fruit, and then you have the tree that bears toxic fruit. It's a toxic tree. Where are you planting? Mm -hmm. Where are you cultivating? Don't speak evil, hurtful words. And never deceive in what, you, what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Again, speaking to the nature of our God. If he's telling you 
to turn from what is wrong, why in the world would he predestine for somebody to experience harm? If he's calling us to this, it's because it's who he is, it's how he walks. My friend April says, sin splatters. And it's so true, because that's exactly what happens. It splatters. And so God does not choose for any of us to be harmed. But sin splatters. People choose to sin. And then sometimes we bear the consequences of that sin. And we, we bear the wounding. But it's not God's heart for us to bear the wounding. And then we can take that wounding to Him. And we can be redeemed. And we can be healed. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. And I think back to verse 8 where it says, here's the goal. Live in harmony with each other. And then here's your prize. Peace. Like they just go hand in hand. For the eyes of the Lord Yahweh rest upon the godly. That's what rests on us. And we are godly because we're in Christ. We are righteous in Christ. And so he rests his eyes on us. He thinks more thoughts of us than the grains of sand. And they are good thoughts. They are blessings. But he turns his back on those who practice evil. Why would anyone harm you if you're passionate and devoted to pleasing God? When I read that, I kind of read it like, how could anyone harm you? Now, I'm changing words in scripture, so I'm claiming to do that. But think of that for a minute. If we follow what is in verse 8 through 12, and we understand that he is pouring out blessing on us, and we are loving each other, we're living at peace with each other, we are caring for one another, then how can anyone harm us? Because if we're walking that intimately with him, then it doesn't matter what comes our way. Because we're with him. We have the prize. But even if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you will have the joyful experience of the blessing of God. Look at that. It's a joyful experience. God's blessings are joyful. This just so smacks the face of that false theology. That's my God. He wants me to have a joyful experience in Him. It's beautiful. And... Don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you. And I read this and I stopped. And I thought about fear. Don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you. Not by those who do terrify you, but they would. And maybe they have. And so because of the abuse that I suffered as a child... I lived a life of fear. Like, that was just sort of what defined me, unfortunately. And then, God began to just take it away. And so last year, at this time, I was uh, living by myself with Sarah. It was just the two of us. And I have a habit that I've had ever since I can remember that when it's time for bed, I go in my room, I shut the door, and I don't come out until the next morning. Because bad things happen at night. And so if I stay in my room 
I'm safer than if I were to leave my bedroom and walk into my kitchen. So here I am like a 40-year-old woman living like this because it's just how I've lived in fear. And then last year, right about this same time when the weather felt just like it does now, one night, for some reason, I don't know why, I went into the kitchen and it was dark. And I noticed the light from the front porch and I noticed the light from my neighbors behind me. And I was like, oh, I like the way the light looks in here in the middle of the night. And then it hit me. You're not afraid. Mm -hmm. You're noticing things that you, your fear wouldn't have allowed you to notice. And you're not scared. Mm -hmm. And it was like the Lord just took my fear away. He just, he blessed me. He poured out a blessing on me. He, and the cool part was, we didn't have to go back to the root. <laughs> we didn't have to walk through the steps. He just took it away. He just said, you know what, girlfriend? You've got a lot going on. I'm going to give you a blessing. I'm going to snag that fear away from you. You're not going to be afraid. And then we were in SeaWorld. And we wanted to ride one of those little gondolas, you know, over the bay, and then it comes back. And the last time I rode one of those, I was probably in my early 20s at Hershey Park, and I was scared to death. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was this afraid of heights. And so ever since then, I've never gone on another one. So here we're standing there, we're like, let's go on it. This is going to be so fun. It's going to be so cool. And then all of a sudden, it hits me. You're supposed to be afraid to get on that. But you're not. Like, you're getting on it. And I wrote it, taking pictures, <laughs> loving it. Poor Sarah was a little afraid. We're talking her through it. It was awesome. And I went, oh, living without fear is really a great way to live. <laughs> like, this is true freedom, yes. to not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And so when I read this and it says, don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you, I'm not anymore. So then today I'm on the phone with Robin and there's something and I was walking in a little bit of fear. Mm. And Robin said to me, let's just remind yourself of your identity. Mm. I go, you're so right, Robin. And when the Lord woke me up at three in the morning and I was going through these things in my head, God said to me, who am I? Mm. He didn't say to me, um, you know, I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I go before you. I am your rear guard. I have you in. He didn't say any of that. He just called on who he is to me. Remind yourself, Louise, of who I am. I can trust you. So even though life's sometimes scary, you don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be intimidated by what would terrify me because of who my God is. And because of my position in him. Look what it says in the next verse. But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. That's it. We just treat him as the holy master of, his of our lives. Because that's what he was saying to me. Who am I? Yeah, you are the master of my life. And I know that. And I know where I'm sitting. Right in the palm of your hand. And so I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to walk the way I've walked in the past. What happened to me doesn't define me. What defines me is who I am in you. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, 
Always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and respect. So have you been asked, have you ever been asked what makes you different? Or explain what, why do you do things the way you do? I've been asked that a whole lot in my life, different times. And one of the times was when we went to China to adopt Sarah. And before we went, I had to apply for a visa. And so I applied, you know, we sent off our stuff to the Chinese consulate, and they returned um, my rejection back to me. I was not permitted to go into China. Kurt could go, Kate could go, I could not go. So I called the adoption agency. I'm like, what is this? What does this mean? And they said, we don't know. We've never had this happen before. Call them, and then call us right back. We're praying, because it's a Christian agency. So they prayed. And I called them, and I remember sitting at my desk, across the hall from Charmaine, sitting at my desk, <laughs> calling the Chinese consulate, afraid, like, why can't I go into China? And they explained to me, it's because they work at Bethany Christian School, and they don't want me proselytizing. And so I was told to say that I'm going there on vacation, um, not to say that I'm adopting a child, even though they know that's what I'm doing. The right words to get through the door is vacation. So I said, I'm, all, I'm going on vacation with my husband and my daughter. And, you know, we, we're planning to go. We are ready to buy tickets. Why can't, you know, what, what, what do I need to do to get into China? And so I had to write a letter saying and promising, vowing, that I would not proselytize while in China. I would go in and leave. And my boss had to write a letter saying, we are not sending Louise to China to proselytize. She's just going to go on vacation. <laughs> and so I get the letter back. Okay, I've been approved. You've got a visa stapled in my passport. I'm ready to go. So um, you're allowed to bring one Bible into China. And I brought a Bible that was about this size. And so I tucked it in the middle of my clothes because I was nervous. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a communist country, but it is very different when you go to a communist country than a non-communist country. You feel it. And so when I went um, in 04, uh, every you saw the military police everywhere. They were in full uniform. They had a machine gun. They had a gun on their hip, and they were intimidating. And they their uniforms were perfectly pressed. I mean, and they literally were on. Not every corner, and even in between every corner. I mean, everywhere you went, I thought, wow, they employ a lot of people in this industry because it, it's very intimidating. You feel, I, we, my dad and I both felt like our room was probably bugged. Like We were very careful whenever we, we didn't really do a whole lot of talking about anything, definitely of faith, but we were just uncomfortable while we were there. So I'm prepping Kurt and Kate, when we go um, in, thir- in 2013. So I get there, and we, I open my suitcase, and there on the top of all my clothes <laughs> is my Bible with a note taped to it saying that my suitcase has been inspected by the People's Republic of China, and it was very official, and it had a big seal on it, and my heart just sunk because I thought, I don't want to end up in a Chinese prison. <laughs> That's the last place I, I don't want to work camp. My arthritis was at its worst. I'm ta- I was literally taking chemotherapy while in China. Every Friday I took it, and it would knock me down till Sunday, maybe Monday. 
And so, and they didn't know any of that, and so I had to like try to fake it. And just, you know, when you're on chemotherapy, you don't always think very clearly and to uh, make a lot of decisions. Anyway, the Lord was good to me. But we go into, um, we, uh, uh, we go to Beijing, we tour, whatever, and then we go into the um, province where Sarah is, and we meet our guide, and she's this sweet woman, probably in her early 40s, and she cares for her elderly, sick mother, and um, she's single, will probably never get married, and um, this is her life. She mm-hmm. is an interpreter, and she takes people around because she can speak English, so this is the job that she has been assigned to do. Not that she chose, but assigned because they're communist. So she starts, um, it takes her about a day and a half. You're different than all the other moms I've ever worked with. I was like, oh, I wonder why. I know why. But I signed this paper that says I can't proselytize. And I don't know, is she a spy? Like, I'm literally thinking, is she a spy? And unless you're there, you really don't understand that. Well, now, in 2013, when we went to Tiananmen Square, uh, before we get out of the van, they said to us, now... um, there are a few things you can't talk about. You can't talk about Tiananmen Square. You can't talk about tanks. You can't talk about revolution. You can't talk about students. You can't talk about protesters. I mean, we all know what happened in Tiananmen Square. So you can't bring any of that up. Don't talk about your government. And if you do, the guy tells us, I will act like I don't know you, and I will tell them I don't know you because I don't want to go to jail. So the... Um, Police are now in plain clothes. It's not like it was in 04. Hmm. You don't know who's the police this time around. So we were, um, the anxiety was a little heightened. Hmm. So um, we, but our sweet guy, we would invite her into our room. We'd buy her dinner. She, we would, she had this little handkerchief that um, she would take all of our extra condiments, ketchup and different things, and put them in her hanky, and she'd tie it up and take it home to her mom. Oh, my mom loves honey. We love ketchup. I think they were hungry, and they would probably ate the ketchup packets is what I'm really thinking. So then we're buying food for her mom and food for her, and she doesn't have an umbrella, and it's everybody in China walks around with an umbrella all the time because of the sun. And so she, we give her an umbrella. I mean, we're just like, what else can we do for this sweet woman? But she keeps asking. Hmm. So now we're standing in the Buddhist temple, and I'm thinking, I'm sure they're all around here. <laughs> and she says to me, I know it's your religion. Hmm. And I said, well, I, I do follow Jesus. You know, I love Jesus. And I thought, well, I'm not proselytizing. I'm saying what I do. (laughs) And she said, I want to know more. Mm. And I look at Kurt. And he says, all right. And he takes her aside. And he said, my wife will never, won't tell you what makes her different because she signed this paper. And um, she made a promise to your government. But I didn't. And so I'm going to tell you what makes her different. And it's Jesus Christ. And he goes on to just pour, lay out the whole gospel message to her. So be ready. I wasn't ready. I didn't expect it when I was there. And I was like, how are we going to handle it? And I'm so glad that he stepped in because I still, when we left, I still wasn't sure. 
what if it was just a trap or what you know we just you just don't know um but sometimes, like, I've been asked in the sprout, in sprouts. One day I'm checking out, and I was just in a happy mood. And she, the woman behind the counter, she's like, well, you're extra happy today. And I said, oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> and then I thought, I sound like a religious nut. <laughs> but you know what? It is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is what gives me my joy. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't ask me anything else. <laughs> so how are you doing? How's your day? And I'm just making small talk. But... Just be ready. And if you've never been asked it, ask the Lord to have somebody ask you what makes you different. Mm -hmm. What is it that that, uh, sets you apart? Because something should set us apart. Right? We should be different. We should look very different than the world. And that's what Robin was talking about when um, Carol brought up about that prayer or that meeting that if believers go in there, we're different. We, we could shift the atmosphere. And then maybe somebody would say, what makes you different? What gives you that joy? Where does your smile come from? You never know how you'll get asked it. Maintain a clear, con- clean conscience so that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ, will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because of their slander. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it's in God's plan than for doing evil. Right? Like, we would rather walk God's walk, the path he has for us, and if we suffer, we suffer. But wouldn't we much rather do that than the opposite? Because really, it's doing evil. All right. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all, the innocent for the guilty, to bring you near to God by his body, being put to death, and by being raised to life by the Spirit. This verse sums up the whole gospel right there. This is the key. He died once for all. He didn't die multiple times. He doesn't require us to do anything else, which probably for people of the Jewish religion, that was shocking once because of the multiple times that they would sacrifice for all the different things, the festivals, the celebrations, Passover. I mean, the list goes on and on. And now Jesus comes and it's once. Never to have to be done again. He went, okay, so now we're going to get into the verses that I didn't want to teach. <laughs> when Robin and I were dividing this up, I go, oh, Robin, look at this. <laughs> and then I was praying about it. I'm like, I could easily skip it. You know, I guess I could just go right down to verse 22 and be done. But I think we look at it, and I think there's something for us to learn, even though I'm not going to give you any real good answers. But let's just dig in together. He went in the spiritual realm and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison because of their disobedience of long ago. For during the time of Noah, God patiently waited while the ark was being prepared, but only a few were brought safely through the floodwaters, a total of eight souls. So, here's what um, the commentator of the Passion says. Nearly every scholar concludes that this passage in 1 Peter is one of the most difficult in the New Testament to interpret. (laughs) So that's where we're going to just 
go out here. And so I thought, well, I'll just share with you different thoughts on these verses. Um, I grew up Methodist, and so we said the Apostles' Creed every week. I could say it in my sleep. And I love it because when I hear it, it just reminds me of my childhood and sitting up in church holding the red hymnal and mm-hmm. saying it. And in it, it says that he, was, he died and um, descended into hell. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And then he's in heaven, right? Yeah, yeah. Trish can say it. Trish grew up Catholic. So we, those of us who, you know, more of those formal... Um, denominations and so here you I heard it my whole life and I always just thought well yeah he went to hell then he went to heaven and I never gave it much more thought well how long did he spend in hell was he there for three days was he there for a minute what did he do down there I don't know I just said it every week and I was good with it Mm -hmm. and so then as I got older I began like okay well what does this mean and where is this and so I've learned a few things so there's like three different thoughts that I thought we could talk about Tonight, And the first one is that he is talking to the people that drowned during the flood. So there are some theologians who would say that Jesus gave them a second chance. He only saved the eight. The earth was destroyed. These poor people. Here's your second chance. It could be. Could not be. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I don't really have an opinion on any of these, but that's one thought. Another thought is that this is the fallen angel. So when Lucifer fell from heaven, um, the angels went with him. They were locked up in prison. And so he's, that's who he's preaching to. It says spirits. So people say, well, they were angels, meaning spirits. And it could be, except we have demons. And so who are the demons? So I kind of go, well, I'm not sure about that one. I don't know. But I don't know. It could be. I could be wrong. The last one is um, in Genesis 6. It talks about um, how they were demons who had relationship with women, and earthly women, and had babies. And so those demons are the ones that God, when he flooded the earth, he put them in a prison. And now that's who Jesus was talking to. I don't know. But those are our thoughts. And so I'm like, okay, well, that, I mean, I'm just going to leave these ladies with, I don't know. So then I looked at my NIV, Life Application Bible, which I love the commentator in it. And this paragraph is really great. So allow me to read it to you. In any case, because they're making a case for the different thoughts as well. The passage shows that Christ's good news of salvation and victory is not limited. While some Bible passages, such as this one, may remain unclear, we can discover certain truths from them along with the context of the rest of Scripture. Because in the rest of Scripture, there are other places where it talks about this. 2 Peter, and then maybe it's Jude. trying to remember. Um, Okay, where was I? Um, in this passage, we discover that, number one, God speaks. While we puzzle over what, where, and how, we can see that God is communicating to the world. Right? What did he do? He preached. So God speaks. I like that. I'm like, I can take that one. Number two, 
God triumphs. Christ victoriously preached, indicating his power, control, and transcendence over all creation. And then number three, God saves. God exerts himself to rescue those who desire him. This mysterious passage tells us at least this much. And that is much indeed. So God speaks, God triumphs, and God saves. Those are truths that I believe. Yes, he did speak, he did um, triumph, and he saves. Other than that, I have no idea. And maybe it's one of these things that in another 20 years, when I'm walking closer than I am today, he'll whisper to me and he'll say, you know what, it really means this. But for now, I'm good with he saves, he triumphs, that was the other thing he speaks. And and I'm good with leaving it there. So I hope that just kind of tickled you a little bit, tickled your fancy, made you think. But sometimes it's okay to wrestle with something and to walk away from the scripture and go, I don't know. It's okay to not know everything. That's when we just go back to, well, what do I do now? And those three things we do now. So this is probably a good lesson for us to go, you know what, in life sometimes things happen and it doesn't make sense. I don't know. But I'm just going to trust God. He had a plan. And someday he'll explain it to us. Like, I can't wait to get to heaven and be like, so what did you do in those three days? Where did you spend your Who were you talking to? All right. So let's look at verse 21. This was a prophetic picture of the immersion that now saves you. Not a bathing of the physical body, but rather the response of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is just saying, look, this demonstrates uh, baptism. It's not the baptism that saves you, but it's the act of baptism that shows that we are saved that we are his, that we are making a, a, a declaration to the world, hey, this is who I am. And especially at this time, when Peter is writing this, it was a brave act to be baptized. It, it's not a brave act for us today, but it was for them, because they were saying, hey, I'm fully in. And for some, there was no going back. They could have been disowned, they could have been killed, and they did it because they knew that they loved the Lord, that they were his child, and that they wanted the whole world to know it. So now look at what it says about Jesus, who is now in heaven at the place of supreme authority next to God. The very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. And so maybe that's why Peter mentions. Because he, Jesus, has power and authority over everything. Heaven and hell. Life's circumstances. And who are we? Remember, we are just sitting in the palm of his hand. And where is he? He's at the right hand of supreme authority, God. 
And I love how it says the very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. That's where we are. We're right there with him. And all powers, all authority submits to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are the God that loves us, that blesses us, and that we can rest in the fact that you are mighty and big, and yet you love us individually. Bless our evening, bless our conversation, our prayer time with each other, Lord, that we may be a blessing to each other. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.